Treating seed this spring? AGI Storm FX brings you the ultimate innovation in seed treating for your modern-day farming operation, offering you speed, accuracy, and flexibility. With a simplified design, gentle handling, and precise performance, you can choose to pre-treat or treat your seed just in time. This season, choose the AGI Storm FX Seed Treater to keep you on schedule and ahead of the curve. Visit aggrowth.com for more information or to find your nearest dealer. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong, but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women, and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Ashley Constance. Ashley is a first-generation homesteader who moved from the big city to pursue a more self-reliant life on a three-acre homestead in central Alberta. Along with her husband, she raises laying hens, meat chickens, meat rabbits, and grows a large food garden and is planning to get into dairy goats this coming spring. Her mission is to inspire people to embrace a little more self-reliance, self-sufficiency, and sustainability, no matter if they're in a house in the city or in the country on a farm. I cannot wait for you to hear my conversation with Ashley. We have been friends on the Instagram for quite some time, and Ashley has recently joined the podcasting community herself and has started her own podcast, A Little Self-Reliant. And it is such a great show. Ashley is also a member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. So be sure once you are done with this episode, you hit the search button on your podcast player of choice and look up a little self-reliant from Ashley. Before we get to this week's interview, let's go over this week's listener review. This week's review comes from Kendall with Central Park Farm via Apple Podcast and is titled, Love What This Podcast Is All About. Fun and original. Thank you, Caitlin, for sharing these stories of incredible rural women. Well, thank you so much, Kendall, for your short and sweet review over on Apple Podcast. And my friend, if you haven't left a rating and review yet on your podcast player of choice, I would be so grateful if you would as this helps others find the show and helps the Rural Woman podcast continue to expand. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's interview with Ashley. (music) 
Ashley, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. I am so excited to see your happy face on this happy day. Thank you. I'm excited to see your happy face too. Right? The power of technology. We can see each other and be, you know, either on the other side of the world or just separated by a few cities in our province. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I am so excited for my audience to get to know you better, Ashley. For the folks who are unfamiliar with you, give us your background and how you got your start in agriculture. So my name is Ashley and I did not grow up in the country. I grew up in the city between Calgary, Alberta and Kelowna, BC and was a typical city kid. Two parents who worked normal jobs. I went to public school and never put much thought into anything to do with where my food comes from or how it's grown or anything like that. And then in my mid-20s, I was kind of going through some stuff in my personal life that was kind of difficult and decided that I wanted to take a little bit more control over what I was eating and how my food was being prepared. So I decided to dive headfirst into gardening. And that's kind of where it all started. At the time, I was living in a little townhouse in the city of Calgary, and I had a tiny little growing space. It was a couple of containers and a raised bed in the backyard, but I just went for it full force. And I started an Instagram account back then. It was called Townhouse Homestead. And I realized that I had this huge passion for sharing what I could do in my limited space, even though I was in the city, even though I couldn't necessarily have livestock or anything like that. I became obsessed with growing as much food as I possibly could, cooking as much as I could, preserving and sourcing what I couldn't get from local farmers. And then from there, it just kind of exploded. I couldn't get this whole homesteading thing out of my head. And my husband got on board and we kind of kept going with things in the city for as long as we could. But inevitably, we knew that we were going to eventually have to move out and get a little bit more land because we really wanted to get into raising our own meat and keeping chickens and all that kind of stuff. So in March of 2020, which was a very interesting time, We made the move. We moved out to our beautiful little three-acre property in Red Deer County. So we're in central Alberta. And it has just been go, go, go from there. And now we are providing as much of our own food as we can. And our goal is to eventually get to about 50%. I think I realize now more than ever why we are kindred spirits and have been uh, (laughs) best friends for so long. Right. Your story of, you know, diving headfirst into this project of gardening in your small space is just something that relates to me and I can resonate with so much. What was your experience like growing up knowing about your food and where it came from? Did you garden as a kid or with your grandparents or anything? Or what was your experience like before this? Literally non-existent. Like, I had very little interest in gardening. I did love food though. My parents were both very passionate about food, especially my dad. He was an incredible cook. And so we were always really into like good ingredients. And that was a big focus was like, you know, making sure you had like the freshest ingredients you could, good meat, good spices, all of that. But we did not have a garden. We had a few flowers and my mom would do like hanging baskets and once in a while, she would get like a cherry tomato plant for the front porch. 
But that was about it. I had grandparents that also lived in the city back like before I was born. They were raised on farms, as a lot of people were back then. And there were like some stories and stuff of growing up on the farm, but there certainly wasn't any exposure to it at a young age. But one thing that I was exposed to at a young age was actually horseback riding. I started riding when I was, I think, eight years old and did that on and off through my childhood. And I just felt something in me like come alive when I would drive out to the country on Saturdays for my riding lessons and spend time around the horses. And like there was always kind of like chickens and cows and all these things. And I remember saying to my dad as a young kid, like, one day I'm going to buy a big piece of land and I'm going to build a house for me and my husband and a house for you and mom and a house for my sister, which like absolutely, obviously is not happening. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah. So I, I always had that like rural obsession kind of like, I knew I wanted to get out of the city, but as life got, you know, going and I grew up and started my career and met my husband and we were very much city people. And, you know, you've got the mortgage and the car payment and the 60 hour a week jobs and all the things. And it just became harder and harder to envision how that was going to happen. But it was really kind of experiencing what I could do in my little townhouse that really made me realize like, no, you know what, actually we could, we could make this a possibility if we wanted to. And yeah, it just snowballed from there. Yeah. Take us back to that townhouse garden. What were some of the things that you started growing when you started your gardening journey? I did all the things that I tell people not to do, which is grow all the things the first year, like literally everything. I started my own seeds. Like I did everything that when I'm talking to people and like, they're like, oh, I want to start a garden for the first time. I'm like, okay, pick like three to five things, pick easy things, like buy things at the garden center. Don't like, don't stress yourself out. And I like fully was like, no, I'm, I want to stress myself out. (laughs) So We had just moved into our townhouse and it was the first home that we had ever owned. Up until then, we had rented apartments and condos and things like that. So even though it was only, I don't even know how big the lot was, like, I'm going to say like less than a tenth of an acre, way less. Anyway, it felt huge to me. Like I had never had so much space to play with. So I remember moving into the townhouse and in March of, it would have been probably... I think it was either 2016 or 2017. But anyway, I remember just feeling like so inspired and I had all these plans and I was all excited. And, you know, one of the things that I was learning was like, you need to watch where the sun hits and like what your gardening space looks like. And I was like, okay, so I'm looking at my backyard in March and we had a North facing backyard and we had a very tall house. And for those of you who don't know, when you live this far North, the sun sits really, really low in the sky in the winter. So I'm looking at my backyard going, Oh my God, I don't have any sun. And I had a epic meltdown. (laughs) Like I had started all these tomato plants. I had all these plans. I had invested like, you know, a couple hundred bucks into my gardening dreams. And I'm like crying to my husband and I'm like, there's no sun, nothing's going to grow. And he's like, honey, like it's March, (laughs) like by the middle of summer, the sun will be higher and we will have sunshine. So I calmed down and started to design my garden around the areas that I knew would get sun. So those kind of like far corners of the North facing garden. And I grew in anything I possibly could. I had a little three tiered raised bed and I had a variety of pots. I had some of those like fabric pots. I had plastic containers all over my front porch. Like I looked like a full on vegetable plant hoarder. And (laughs) I thought 
I thought that my neighbors would be upset about it. Like I thought they'd be like, oh, who are these like junky people with this like janky garden all over the place and like spindly tomato plants everywhere. But I found it actually created a really beautiful conversation. Like I would be outside in the mornings, you know, tending to my plants and people would walk by and they would stop and they would want to talk about it. They're like, oh, what are you growing? And oh, I've never seen that before. And it was just, it was such a conversation starter. And I really found myself being lit up around the fact that like more people could be doing this. And when people saw what I was doing, they were like, oh, maybe I could do that too. And next thing I know, you know, my neighbors are growing food in their backyard and it's just, it was so empowering for me, but it was also incredible to see other people realize what they could do at the same time. Right. Well, I just think that you have the mindset when you are in a, you know, a typical townhouse in a big city that you don't have the space that you need to grow things. I know even in my house in town, I had a large backyard. I probably could have grown, you know, I don't even know how many potatoes I could have grown in that lawn, but probably (laughs) not. But you always think that you need so much space to do it when in reality, nowadays, you don't even need a window to grow things. You can have grow lights in a basement and hopefully you're growing vegetables down there. But if you're not, not my business. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) There's just so many possibilities. And, you know, by having your janky front porch garden, showing your neighbors that, yeah, if you have a leftover margarine container that can be used, put some soil in it and you can grow a head of lettuce right then and there. And it's just really neat. And I love how you used it as a conversation piece for your neighborhood. And obviously you started sharing your story on Instagram and making that a bigger conversation with a wider audience. So Tell us about your now homestead and where you've moved and what you are producing there. For sure. So it does look a lot different now. The biggest thing, like I always joke that the reason we moved out of the city is because I couldn't have chickens in the city. I'm obsessed with my chickens. So this whole conversation of, oh, let's move to an acreage so I can get chickens. And then from there, obviously a lot more happened. So We moved out to this property in March of 2020, but it really did take us about two years to find the right property. Once we kind of had our minds set on, okay, we actually want to do this, we searched for a very long time. We looked in BC, we looked in Nova Scotia, and we looked in Alberta. And I'm actually really glad that we stayed in Alberta because all of our people are here, but we were open to pretty much anything. There was pros and cons to every different area that we looked, but we ended up finding this little property. And it's three acres. It's not huge, but we're, we're just two people. We don't have kids. We've got a dog, cat, and a gaggle of creatures. And when we pulled into this property, I knew this was the one it was flat. It was, there was trees. Like there was so much usable land. It was a blank slate. There was nothing here. There was no garden. There was no chicken coop. There was nothing. So we moved in on, I think it was like five days after the global pandemic was declared. (laughs) So that was a really interesting time to be moving. And I actually see that now as a good thing because just how we were all feeling in that time, there was this like, okay, get going, like move in, do not waste time. Like I had my, I had my laying hens ordered before we even took possession. I had my garden seeds ordered. Like I was ready to hit the ground running as soon as we got here. And that first year we really did just go for it. We We built three big raised beds. We dug an in-ground garden. We got our chickens. We got the coop. 
we started doing like rainwater catchment and composting and all of that. And that first year was just insane. Like we had never gardened on that scale before. We had never had chickens. I had never even touched a chicken until I had my own. And very quickly we realized like this land can feed us. We were producing so much out of our garden alone. And we were obviously doing a lot of canning and preserving and dehydrating. And then our chickens started laying eggs. And that was just like magical. I bawled my eyes out the first day that I found an egg. (laughs) I was so excited. And that first year was like, it was baptism by fire for sure. But it was also like one of the most inspiring summers of our lives. We just couldn't believe what we were producing. So then the second season, which was last year, we expanded. We decided to make our garden significantly larger. We got more laying chickens. We also got into meat chickens. We got into meat rabbits. We have a friend in Calgary who is learning about beekeeping. So she set up some honeybee hives out here. And then it was like this whole new world opened up where it's like, oh my gosh, now we're producing our own meat and we've got honey and my husband hunted for the first time this fall and got a couple of deer in the freezer. And like, that was just incredible. The fact that we are now at the point where it is February and we are still eating something that we produced ourselves every single day, sometimes entire meals in the dead of winter is like just one of the most rewarding things that I could ever imagine for myself and my family. Yeah. Oh, Ashley, I'm getting misty over here. And uh, (laughs) the story about, you know, bawling when you have your first egg from your first chicken. (laughs) I just like these are the stories and these are the things that I think hit home most to me only because now we get to look back and see how far we've come as newer rural women and having those experiences. But For the people who are listening to this, who this is how they've grown up and this is the only thing they've ever known, like soak this in for a minute, folks, because it's just like these are people who have embraced this lifestyle and they want this for themselves and they are willing and learning along the way. And I just think, you know, for you to not have ever held a chicken before (laughs) to owning a chicken and a gaggle of them and, you know, now producing your own meat off of your property and honey and all of these things, like, bravo to you. Like, this is, this is the epitome of the brand new rural woman, I think, because you have taken all of these challenges and these kind of big, scary obstacles that you know, we face now as rural women, but you came in guns blazing and ready to go. And like you said, (laughs) baptism by fire, because those are a lot of things to do uh, in that short amount of time. Looking back, what do you think have been some of the biggest challenges for you in starting this new journey? Oh man, where to start with that? I mean, it is, it's a romantic picture that I, that I paint, right? Where I'm waking up in the morning and going out with my coffee and like, surveying my garden and my chickens and all of this. Uh, And it is like most days are like that, but there are also days that are brutally, brutally hard and really do have you wanting to pack everything up and go back to the city. When we moved out here, we knew that the house we were buying had a lot of issues. It was definitely a fixer upper and we felt confident that we could handle what needed to be done, but we did not expect everything to happen all at once. And within six weeks of moving in, everything fell apart. Like we had no heat. We had no hot water. We had to replace our entire septic system. We had septic in the basement. (laughs) Like it was just, we just stood there, my husband and I like looking at each other, 
this is gross, but like literally covered in other people's septic. And we just like, were laughing, but we were also crying. And we're just like, what have we done? Like, what, what have we done? Cause people did kind of think we were a little bit crazy when we said we were going to do this. And then in those moments, we did really think like, you know what, maybe we are in over our heads. Like, what do we think we're doing out here? So that in itself was challenging, just adjusting to rural life and adjusting to the fact that like things you don't necessarily think about, like we don't have trash collection out here, right? We don't have, we're on a well. And if our power goes out, our, our well pump doesn't work. And there are just all these little things that when you're living in the city and you've got all these things in place where you just turn on the tap and the water comes out and you know that it's clean and all of that, you know, that was a big, a big adjustment. And being far from friends and family, like, I mean, we're still day trippable to Calgary, so we can still go see our people, but it's not like I can just meet a friend for a drink after work. And like, that was a huge adjustment. And then there is also a different mentality out here. I did not expect to move only an hour away from where I grew up and to have such a culture shock where, you know, I, I am like the weird person, this, this weirdo from the city who came out here and I've never touched a chicken and all these things. And, you know, I was so lit up by all this stuff, but sometimes I would talk to people who have been living this lifestyle their whole lives. And they're like, why are you so like, why did you cry about a chicken egg? (laughs) It's like, you know, I can't, I've always had this like deep connection and like deep reverence for the land. And that, that happened long before I knew I was going to pursue homesteading. But I just need to say like, since we've been out here and I've actually like had my feet on the ground for two years and it's been feeding me for two years, like I can't understate the emotional and spiritual connection that I feel to this place. And I think that's something that I didn't really expect either. Like I, I knew it was going to be amazing to feed myself, but I didn't expect to just be like so incredibly in awe of everything that happens on this property, even on the hard days. And I mean, there are days that are really hard. We've had, you know, we've had one of our cats get hit by a car out here. We've lost animals to various, you know, issues and sicknesses. And obviously when you're producing your own meat, like butcher day is not a good time. Like it's, it's emotional in a different way. I did cry my first time that we butchered chickens, but there's also, again, this like deep reverence and this deep like gratitude for these animals that are going to be feeding you. And it's not a day I look forward to, but the feeling of having a freezer full of meat that, you know, is healthy and raised well and fed well and lived a good life like that, that is something that nobody can ever take away from you. And it just, it feels so good to provide for yourself that way. So on those really hard days with those challenges that come up, you do just kind of need to like focus back in on those other moments and be like, no, this is why we're doing it. And just, you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I think it was actually on your podcast that you talked about the concept of failing forward. (laughs) And I think about that all the time because there have been a lot of failures out here. We've tried things that haven't worked. We've, you know, not had, luckily there hasn't been any like catastrophic failures as of yet, but I'm sure that day is coming. And when we do have things that don't go according to plan, you know, it's important to take that step back and kind of like talk to each other and be like, okay, what did we learn from this? And how can we do things better next time? So always learning, (laughs) always learning. And how you explained the spiritual connection to your land and your animals and things. I always struggle with trying to find the right words to say, and you've said it beautifully. 
And it's so hard. Like, it's so hard to explain to people of the joy that you feel when an animal that you have raised is going to be eaten. And, you know, when you're speaking to somebody who grew up this way, they get it. They know that they've had a good life. They've known all of these things. And this is just the way that it goes. But to explain it to people from outside of this industry or to explain to family and friends that what they're eating on their plate has been raised this way. And I'm always fascinated when people say, and I was this people, I was the people that said this, oh, I could never <laughs> do that. I don't think I could ever do that. And you know what? I It's so interesting to me because I look at my personal journey, very similar to yours, you know, having something that you loved and cared for and whether that's butcher day or whether that's sale day or anything, I can remember being in bed crying about having to sell my meat goats because I knew where they were going. I knew what was going to happen to them. And I was just so emotionally distraught about it. And my my God bless my husband because he is just so confused. He's like, you bought these and you knew this is what was going to happen to them. Yeah, what did you think was going to happen? What did you think was going to Like logically (laughs) thinking, but not understanding that, you know, the animals that I've cared for in my lifetime, like that's not what their purpose was. But to now know that I can remember my first direct sale off of the farm of selling some meat goats to a family who were going to do the processing themselves. And I remember that day not crying. And I remember that day just feeling so damn proud that I got to feed this, like their entire family was here, like from grandparents to children, they were there and they were so excited because they knew that they were going to have a beautiful Thanksgiving dinner. They were going to have a beautiful Christmas dinner that year because of what I did. And like the feeling that you get is just like, to like I said, to explain it to other people, it's for the people who don't get it, they don't get it. But for the people that do, they really do get it. <laughs> well, and I think too, like I've always loved feeding people. That's my love language is like, if I love you, I am going to like throw food at you. That's just what I do. <laughs> whether it's baked goods, whether it's, you know, freezer meals, whatever. And now that we are comfortable with our butchering process and we know that we're raising these high quality meat animals, to share that with people is incredible. Like we had a Friendsgiving where we brought one of our chickens and instead of a turkey, we just brought this like big, beautiful chicken. And everybody was like, why is it so good? And that just like filled us with so much gratitude for the animals, but also for ourselves, right? Because that was a, that was an ordeal to put that chicken on the table. And I just, I love being able to share that with people. And if people have questions about, you know, like, how do you process and what is it like? And it's like, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it. I'll tell you. Cause I, but there needs to be a respect there. Right. I don't, I don't, I get it. The factory farming can be a horrendous thing. We all know that. And the way that we choose to do things is different and everybody just does the best they can. And I truly do believe that. But for us as people who choose to eat meat, This is how we want to do it. And we respect the animals and we, you know, take their lives with dignity and do everything that we can to make sure that they have an excellent life while they're here. And we feel good about that. And when we talk to people about it, they feel good about it too. And we're not selling these animals. Like we're not selling meat. It's all for our own consumption. And then if someone comes over for dinner and they're having chicken, like, yeah, guess what? (laughs) That came from over there. But I just, I think 
a lot of people think they could never do it because I used to say the same thing. I say, oh my God, like, no, I want to go to the grocery store. I want to buy my chicken breasts in the cellophane. Like, I don't even want to think about the fact that it used to be alive. Like, that's a little bit of a problem, I think. You know, you're not, you're not honoring that animal's life. And I think like for us anyway, when we do take an animal's life, we are going to use every last part of that animal. Like everything we can, if we can't eat it and then the dog's eating it. And if the dog's not eating it, then it's going, you know, in the coulee where the coyotes will eat it or whatever. I just, there's such a different connection to it. And I don't want to waste any part of that animal knowing what it took to raise it and knowing what it took to, to take its life in the end. Right. Like it's, it's not something that we take lightly. Yeah. I, like I just, I view it as a responsibility. Like you have a responsibility as somebody who is raising an animal to be, you know, as well educated and well versed of keeping that animal healthy and happy while it's alive. And then I think it's really, you know, honoring that animal's life at the end and using it for what it was intended for. So. You can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. What is Patreon? It's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love. New to the Rural Woman podcast, Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash the rural woman podcast. What are your future plans for your homestead? What are you, what are you dreaming of? (laughs) What am I not dreaming of would be a shorter (laughs) list, but I do have to reel it in. My husband and I are a really great team because I'm I'm the dreamer and he's the realist. So I'll be like, blah, 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 like word vomit. Here's all these amazing things I want to do. And he's like, okay, pick one. <laughs> so our next big project for this coming spring is that we have expanded our garden by about double. So we now have about 2000 square feet to grow in, which is like an unbelievable amount of space for my brain to comprehend. And we are also getting goats, <laughs> which I am so excited about. <laughs> So we are, we are officially team goat. I thought I was team sheep, but turns out I'm team goat. So (laughs) welcome. (laughs) Yes, I know it's, it's one of us, right? So we're bringing some little Nigerian dwarfs onto the property in the spring and we're going to be breeding and milking and doing all the goat things. So it's, this spring is going to be all about fencing (laughs) and goat proofing And I am just so excited to jump into some kind of like larger livestock endeavors and get into like home dairying. And I recently discovered that I love making cheese. So I'm really looking forward to all of that. That's going to be super, super cool. Yeah. Oh, that is so great. And that growing space to me, when you say how big like that is, I'm just thinking, I'm like, oh my goodness, that is a lot of space to grow food and you are going to have a lot of fun doing that. (laughs) <laughs> It'll be fun. We're, we're both, we like Sean and I will look at each other sometimes and be like, oh my, like, what are, this is huge. Like this is bigger than our house. This growing space is going to be more square footage than our home. And like, I, I work, I work off farm right now and my husband doesn't, which is such a blessing that he can be here. 
but still it's like, that is going to be a crap ton of work, but you know what? We're just going to, we're going to go for it. We're going to hope for the best. And if we bit off more than we can chew, then we can always adjust. Right. So yeah, we'll just see what happens. (laughs) So Ashley, this is typically my last question, but this is going to be my last question in regards to this portion of our interview. So my last first portion question is what is the most rewarding part about being a rural woman and a homesteader for you? I thought about this question before we started this call and I have such a hard time narrowing in on one thing because at the end of the day, it does go back to that like purpose. Like this, this feels like my purpose, getting up every day, caring for my animals, caring for my garden, feeding the people I love with the food that I produce myself. That is my purpose. But I also feel like it kind of sounds a little bit funny, but I really do think that the main reason that we chose to do this is because we wanted to eat well. That's what it all comes back to. It all comes back to food. Food has always been a huge part of my life. I love to cook. As I mentioned previously, that's what I grew up with, with my, my dad. He and I were both very passionate about cooking and he did, he unfortunately passed away in 2015. And I feel most connected to him when I'm in the kitchen And I think he would be very proud of what we're doing out here. And the fact that I'm putting all this high quality, incredible, delicious food on the table, you know, the recipes that he taught me when I was a little girl, and I'm now not only cooking them, but I'm also producing a lot of the ingredients myself. And, you know, I'm out here with my husband, the love of my life, and we're just like doing our thing. And, you know, it may not be like the conventional success story that a lot of people who were raised in the city think of. But when I look at our freezer, when I look at our shelves, I, I feel incredibly successful and incredibly grateful. And this is exactly what I want to be doing. So I would say it all goes back to purpose. I am out here living my purpose. And that's my favorite thing. My favorite thing too. Thank you. <laughs> Just misty. It's fine. Just misty. <laughs> so part two of this interview <laughs> Well, now that I know that you're getting goats, like we could probably just talk about goats for part two. <laughs> but you, in part of your purpose, I think, and by you sharing your story online with others and, you know, sharing that purpose with others, you've also started another medium of sharing recently, and that is a podcast. So mm-hmm. tell us all about your new podcast, Ashley. For sure. So podcasting is something that I've kind of always felt called to. I'm a huge podcast junkie myself. I am constant. I always have my earphones in. I'm constantly listening to podcasts. And I used to be a blogger in different realms, not necessarily homesteading, but I've always loved writing and I've always loved sharing ideas and stories and teaching people how to do things that they don't know how to do and helping them make connections and inspiring them and all of that. So podcasting was kind of just the natural next step. And I thought about it a lot and I was like, okay, there's a lot of homesteading podcasts out there. There's a lot of gardening podcasts out there. And I am not an expert in any of these fields. I am a generalist. I am, I know a little about a lot. So, you know, I was thinking about that more and more. And it was like, when did I feel the most lit up? And when do I get most excited when other people are reaching out to me? And it's, it's going right back to that original townhouse situation and making people kind of connect and realize that they don't necessarily have to have a huge acreage to do something. So I decided to start a podcast called A Little Self-Reliant. 
And that is what it's about. It's about being a little self-reliant. It's not about doing everything on your own. It's not about moving off grid and, you know, never going to the grocery store again, which I think is awesome, by the way, if that is, if that is your journey, that's super admirable. But I wanted to connect with the people who are, maybe they're in the city or maybe they're on a small acreage and they don't know where to start, but they know that they want to do something. Or maybe they feel like they can't do anything. And then in that case, I'm going to show you all the things that you actually can be doing. So I focus mostly on self-reliance topics such as gardening, cooking from scratch. I want to get into talking about like basic herbal medicine and composting and rain catchment and basic like first aid, like all these different things that can contribute to the overall, the overall like system of self self self-reliance, but never all of anything, right? Just taking what you can do and like really going for that a hundred percent. So that's, yeah, that's kind of what inspires me. And that's what I'm hoping to inspire in other people as well. Ashley, the thing that I love about your podcast is that it is for the beginner and it is for the folks who are kind of like just getting their feet wet when it comes to being self-reliant. Because I think these are the stories that need to be shared and they need to be told because for the people who haven't done this and they're looking at all of these, quote, experts doing these things, it can be really overwhelming. And especially when it comes to growing food or preserving food and all of these different things. And, you know, if the last two years has taught us anything, you know, learning to how to grow food uh, became quite popular. And I think where it kind of dropped off for some people was the fact that, you know, it is a lot of work and it does take patience and all of these things. And, you know, as a COVID hobby, like maybe people aren't doing this anymore because it got to the point where it was too hard. Or like you said, they jumped in and tried too many different things all at one time instead of just focusing on the basics to start off with. Because I know like once you have a failed tomato starter or whatever it is, it can be really discouraging as somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. But And something that I want to point back to that you had said about, you know, having all of these voices out there and there was already so many things. So why do I need to do this? This is going to be my little coaching hat that I put on for anybody (laughs) that is listening that does think the same thing. There are so many different people out there in the niche or the category that you think that you want to be a part of. And a lot of people can think like, well, why would I do this when there's so many other people out there? And my point to that is, but there's no one like you out there doing this. You have your own personal voice and you have your own personal experiences to lend your voice to this. And, you know, there's not a limit on how many podcasts can be out there. There's not a limit on how many blogs can be out there. You know, adding your voice to what's already out there is just enhancing the overall message and your overall message of being a little self-reliant and having a space where you can grow food and where you can experiment and try things and see if it works. I think that's the curiosity piece that I love the most. And I think I'm guilty of this, of not being curious enough in some regards to some things. And I always just think like curiosity, you know, though it may kill a cat, uh, I don't think (laughs) it is necessarily a bad thing. And adding your voice to a space, I think only enhances it. So I'm happy that you went ahead and have done this. So tell us a little bit more about the episodes that you already have released and what you have planning on uh, coming up. For sure. So I am trying to kind of focus on 
topical, like specific topics that are seasonal. So in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking a lot about gardening and a lot about like outdoor kind of preparing for spring. I want to eventually talk about, you know, getting started in beekeeping and getting started with chickens, if that's available to you and those kinds of things. As we move into the fall months, I want to talk more about preservation, anything from dehydrating to canning and even just simply freezing. And then in the winter months, I think I want to focus more on cooking from scratch. And also, I do like to have conversations that are a little bit more, a little bit more soul centered and talking about things like what I was saying earlier about feeling connected to the land and feeling connected to your animals and your purpose and all those kinds of things. I also want to have my husband come on the podcast and talk about homesteading as the team (laughs) and some kind of challenges and also some tactics that we employ with that. And I do want to eventually get into interviewing some other voices as well, because while I do think that, like I said, I know a little bit about a lot, there are definitely people who know a lot about their specific niche topic. So I really do look forward to that. But in the beginning, at least, I really want to focus on kind of surface level, basic, like for the person who is just thinking about getting started homesteading or for the person who maybe has just moved out to their homestead and is like, okay, now what? That's who I'm trying to serve for now is just like, give you all the ideas. Here's all the things you could be doing. And then if you find your thing that you're like, yeah, this is the one you can go like super deep into that. I am so excited I love the episodes that you've already released, and I am so excited to see the growth of your podcast. And I'm also very excited to be in community with you over on Positively Farming Media in the podcast mastermind, because I think your voice is needed over there, and we're just one big happy family over there, so... (laughs) <laughs> I'm loving that. That I look forward to it. Like I know I've only been a part of it for I've only been on two group calls, but, but like they just leave me feeling so uplifted and so inspired and yeah, like I'm not the only weirdo out here doing this. There's other weirdos like me. So. There's other <laughs> podcast weirdos in the food and agriculture yes. space just like us and we found yes. them and put them in one group and we learn and grow together. So <laughs> We'll keep on doing that. So for the listeners who would like to listen to your podcast, where can they find it? Share the name, all of the things. For sure. So I am on pretty much every podcast service. The show is called A Little Self-Reliant and my name is Ashley Constance. So if you see that, then you know that you've got the right show. I also do have a website that is just a little baby. She's just getting started, but that is a little self-reliant.com. And I post all my show notes on there. And then I also have blog posts on there that sometimes accompany some of the more in-depth episodes. And then I am also most active on Instagram. That is my social media of choice. And my podcast specific Instagram is a little self-reliant, but I post most of my homesteading stuff over at Dirty Paws Homestead. And that's where I am the most active is at Dirty Paws Homestead. Perfect. My last question in regards to podcasting, what has been, as a new podcaster, the most rewarding part of starting your show and sharing your story? The most rewarding part of sharing my story, whether it was on the podcast or just on social media, it always has kind of remained the same. And it's when someone reaches out and says, you inspired me to try X, or you made me realize that I can do Y. And that is incredibly encouraging for me because that's, that's, I think what I was put on this earth to do was to inspire other people to try new things. And like you said, to get curious and 
what's the worst that can happen? If you fail, that's fine. Like nobody's out here judging you. At least you're trying. There are so many people who have all these things that they want to someday do and they never even try. And it's like, how do you know? How do you know if you're ever going to have success or if you're going to be good at something if you don't give it a shot? So I love connecting with people and opening their minds to new ideas and different ways of doing things and empowering them to do the things that they can do wherever they're at. Oh, so great. This has been a great chat, Ashley. Thank you so much. And I will be sure to link uh, the information to Ashley's podcast and her social media channels in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. It has been a pleasure talking to you today, friend. Thank you so much for sharing your story here on the Rural Woman Podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely to chat with you. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast, a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story. Did you know that you can get this same great episode of the Rural Woman podcast ad-free? I get it. Listening to ads during a podcast isn't always my favorite either, but in order to keep the lights and coffee pot on here at the Rural Woman Podcast Studios, they are necessary. I am so grateful to each and every one of my sponsors, but if you yourself would like to skip the ads while supporting the show, consider joining me over on Patreon. Patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast get ad-free episodes starting at Tier 5 on their podcast player of choice each week, plus some other great benefits. Find out more by heading to the link in today's show notes to learn how you can become a patron through Patreon.